Good morning, everybody. And uh, great to be with you today. I appreciate... Uh, my name's Tim, by the way. And welcome to Greater Alton Church. Uh, uh, thanks, Mike, for preaching last week. Fantastic job uh, closing out our series on As For Me and My House, that family series. Really appreciate him uh, doing that. And uh, today we're... Uh, we don't really have a series. It's basically two lessons to this Sunday and next Sunday. And uh, today I want to talk about getting ready for Easter. Uh, by the way, there's something that's going to be happening right after church. We're going to be working on the building and the campus, a lot of jobs to do, a lot of odd jobs. If you'd like to help with us, we're going to be doing this around noon. And it's you can see Mike uh, Hyman. And Mike, are you here? Would you stand up real tall? There he is. There's the man to see, uh, the, the man in black. Here he is. And uh, he'll be at the Welcome Center. He's got a list of jobs, but we're going to be doing some things outside and inside today. And if you'd like to help see him, call him, text him, and he can, uh, or you can talk to him, and he'll be more than happy to put you to work. But uh, Easter is, is just around the corner. When you stop and think about it, this week, over a billion Christians will be preparing for next Sunday. And I got to thinking about that. I was thinking about all the things that we're probably doing, getting ready for Easter. Uh, maybe we're shopping. Maybe we're getting the house cleaned up and ready to go. Maybe we're going to be decorating some eggs. Maybe we're planning some kind of a, a meal together as a family. And, you know, that's that makes sense. Maybe some new clothes you want to have. Uh, I want to wear uh, next Sunday. And uh, that just makes sense. I mean, that's what we typically do. And uh, I find myself doing at Easter. Preparation is a part of Easter, especially the week before. Jesus was involved in preparing for the first Easter. Look at this passage on your notes if you'd like to follow along or in your bulletin. It says that, then they uh, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Now, what appears to be Jesus is, is preparing a meal for the Passover meal. There's more going on here because you find as you read the Easter story, as you begin to read from Luke 9, for example, like Luke 9, 51 to the end of Luke, Luke does a chronological account of what's going on when Jesus starts heading toward Jerusalem. Um, and what we notice is, is that not only is he preparing a meal, he's been preparing his men for Easter. He's been constantly talking to them, getting them ready for what's, what's about to come, what's about to take place. And what is taking place? Well, all kinds of things are going to be happening. The greatest event in history uh, is going to take place in, in just a week from the time he enters Jerusalem and the, and the disciples learn and they, they experience together with Jesus all kinds of things that happen. If you ever do a, do a, a search on the internet and look at Passion Week or the week of Christmas, some people call it Holy Week. And it's got, it'll even provide for you what happened on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and all the way through the next Sunday. And, and what the, the disciples experience are things like betrayal, triumph, celebration, joy, sorrow, the doubts, death. They experience all, they, it's like a roller coaster of emotions and experiences as they go through the final week leading to Easter. 
the great thing about Easter is it will change everything. And it does change everything. And it will change everyone who's ready for Easter. That's what I noticed as I was preparing for this week. Like, what what can we talk about? We talk about getting ready for Easter. I mean, it's next Sunday. It's the Sunday of Sundays. And and, uh, though we... Uh, Greater Alton Church, every Sunday is important. Easter Sunday does have that little bit of pop to it because it's it's a Sunday we set aside with the rest of the world to remember probably more than ever the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how do we how do we get ready for next week? How do we get ready for Easter by looking at how Jesus got his disciples ready for their Easter, the very first one. Let's get right into this. Here are three ways I'd like to encourage you to get ready this week for next Sunday. Number one, go over the Easter story again. You might say, well, that just, well, duh. That's so fundamental. But you know, I'm, I'm surprised how many times, you know, we can go over things again and again and again and we still miss some things along the way. I don't know how many times husbands has your wife had to tell you or you've heard Kids from your parents, how many times have I had to tell you to? Well, the Bible is constantly repeating itself. And there's good reason, because we're a forgetful people. And you you see Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. He's constantly reminding his disciples over and over. In fact, some of the headings in your Bible will say, Jesus reminds his disciples a second time or a third time of 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 his death his burial and his resurrection. Look, here's an example in Mark chapter 10. They're, they're on their way to Jerusalem. By the way, next year, I'm wanting to do a series called The Way Home, The Road to Easter. And we're going we're gonna to do a series from Luke 9, 51, where it says Jesus set his face. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. And we see the people that he meets and the situations they get into as he makes his way to his death on the cross. And here they're on their way to Jerusalem, according to Mark, with Jesus leading the way. Notice it says, again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he'll rise again. So Jesus goes into detail. And he doesn't do this once or twice. It's like he's constantly having to tell these guys. He has to repeat himself. And why is that? The disciples are having trouble understanding what Jesus is there for. Why he came to earth. They're forgetful. They get caught up in all the excitement, all the cool things he's doing, all the great things he provides, that they're forgetting the reason he came. The Messiah came. The Old Testament bears witness of this. He came to die and to resurrect. So this is this lack of understanding, this trouble of understanding, really plays with the disciples' perspective on how they see what Jesus is about, how they see the whole scope, the whole redemp- the scheme of redemption from Genesis on. It, it affects their perspective as to what they do, what role do they play in the Easter story. Church, we, do, we have the same problem. We can get, we, our understanding of Easter, uh, so here's what I notice, I guess. I'm, I've asked myself, I've, I've caught myself many times when it comes to Easter that, I, uh, that sometimes I, I only see it as something recreational. 
I've had those moments where I see it as, oh, we're getting with our family. We got to plan that. We got to get that Easter egg hunt down. It's, you know, it's, it's the thing about Easter is, is uh, for us to, that view this sometimes as a recreational thing, a holiday, is, man, I wish they could get a Monday off for that. We could stretch it into a three-day weekend, right? But it's on Sunday every time. It never moves around. But a lot of times that's what people do. They see it as something recreational, an opportunity to get with my family, which is good, which is not bad. I mean, it's a good, it is a good opportunity to get with family and to enjoy and celebrate Easter. And there's the other, there's the other group of people. And I've found myself in this category at times where it's religious. It's a religious thing. People come to church on Christmas and Easter most of the time. A lot of folk, they'll come on Christmas and on Easter and they think, well, I got my two days in. I've done my thing. Now I'm good to go for another six months or so. But we can see it as a religious thing. You know, an Easter sunrise service or some kind of special presentation. And we're just coming to to be reminded of something. But it's more of a religious thing. And then there's the category that I think Jesus is after with his disciples. It's not recreational. He doesn't want them just to see it as something recreational or something religious. But something real. That really happens it's going to happen in their case did happen in our case and it makes a big difference in our lives when we understand it but see we get all caught up in all the other things and even some of the things that happen to us we we get caught up in these things and it keeps us from understanding what easter is about let's read another look at this next passage this is in luke 9 while everyone was marveling at all that jesus did he said to his disciples these words he just healed a demon-possessed uh, man, and it, and, it, and it says this in, in verse 44. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what he meant. It was hidden from them. So they did not grasp it. You know, Jesus just did something amazing. And it's almost like he just puts reality like a grenade right in the middle of it. Oh, by the way, you know, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be hurt again. Wait, wait you're killing the moment, Jesus. No, I'm trying to remind you. Don't get caught up in all the stuff I can do for you and miss what I really can do for you. He says it's hidden from him. I, I looked at that. I'm going, hidden? How's it hidden from these guys? They weren't able to grasp it. What, what's hiding the true meaning of Easter from his disciples? Here's an example here in Matthew 16. Right after Peter, Jesus says, who do people say I am? They say, well, you're this, you're this, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, one of the prophets. And then Peter speaks up and says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the Son of God. And Jesus like, that is so cool. You got that straight. That is exactly right. And then he says, it says this. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the priests and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, we, we know the words, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. And look what he says. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Why, why is the meaning of Easter hidden from the disciples? Probably for the same reasons it gets hidden from us. We get caught up in stuff. We have things in our mind 
concerns on our mind that take us away from what Easter really is about. Our worries, our frets, our expectations, our plans, they crowd out what Jesus really did on Easter. I don't know what your concerns are this morning. I don't know what takes up your mind, what will take up your mind this week. But I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to focus this week, especially this week, on next Sunday, on Easter. To clear out, to clear out your, clear out your mind of some of the concerns you've got, of the worries you have, and the problems you have, because Easter Sunday solves all of those. And look at this. I mean, again, here's another passage. Jesus just keeps using the Word of God. And I only, I'm only going to give you one example, but over and over again, He says this to His disciples. He took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He said, There's something in the, in the Word of God about Jesus I want to remind you, I want you to be familiar with. And maybe you've read the Gospel Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John several times. I know I have. I'm asking you to join me and read the Easter account again this week. Just look at it again. Perhaps pray through it and pray over it. And look at it. Look at it. Because what it will do is it will, and, and, and I'm asking you to let it, as you do this, prepare your mind, prepare your heart, and prepare your plans for next Sunday. It will make a big difference in your life. And it will make a big difference when we meet together next week. That's the first thing. I just got to get familiar with that, the meaning of Easter. I went through from Luke 9. Luke 9.51, when he starts going back to Jerusalem for the final time, it's about a year before he gets to the, the cross. But in Luke 19, from 19 on, is the, the final week. I ask you yourself just to read it over and see what you think there. and see. Let it change you. Let it prepare you. Here's the second thing I, I'm asking you to consider, and that's pray as you approach Easter. Pray as you approach Easter. There's lots of praying going on. Jesus prayed a lot with his disciples and prayed a lot by himself as he got closer and closer to the city of Jerusalem. John Wesley said this, prayer is where the action is. <laughs> I thought, wow, it's where the action is. And what does prayer do? It's something, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think prayer is a waste of time. Anybody else want to admit that? The times we go, oh, I got so much to do, I haven't got time to pray. John Wesley one time said, I have so much to do, I can't help but pray several hours. I'm like, John, you, if you got so much to do, why are you praying? Because that's where the action is, Tim. And you find Jesus sees prayer that way as well. It does something. And one of the things it will do is it will prepare you and it will prepare me for what's coming and what's, what's ahead. How many times have you prayed before a major surgery? Huh? Or prayed before you had to have a discussion with somebody. Oh God, help me keep my composure. Or, or you're about to, about to, uh, something challenging you're about to do you've never done before. A high dive. Working on your car. I, there's more. My dad used to talk about Jesus and God a lot when he worked on cars, but it wasn't prayer. Okay, it was more. It was it was very colorful language. 
And I don't know how many times I catch myself. I'm getting ready to put a windshield in and, or, or I'm working, I'm putting a camshaft in or, I, or this week just working on one of the vans. Oh boy. And I go, oh God, you got to guide my hands here because I don't know what I'm doing. One time I wired one of our vans and it caught on fire, burned it up. Oh God, help me. How many times have you, we face things? We, what are we doing? We're praying to prepare for that moment because we know prayer does something. It, it, it calls to God's power. It calls to God's help, but it centers up my mind. It calms me down. I've had to do a lot of praying last several weeks. I'm getting too excited. I'm getting too worked up. And you see it on my face sometimes. I know some of you go, you okay, Tim? Everything all right? No, not everything's okay. I get all worked up. I see things. I feel things. And I, and if I can't find a problem, guess what? I've been accused of. I'll make one up. I'll find one. And I get worked up. And, and then I, and, and then it's almost like when I'm talking to somebody, I've, I'll be talking to my son or my brother and we'll be, Blah, 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 complaining. And then they'll say something like, well, you know, that's just the way it is, isn't it? I mean, we've got to, as Christians, we have hope. You're right. You're right. It's just talking a little bit about it. And man, when we talk to the Lord, all this stuff that's got us all tightened up, bothering us, it's something when we talk it out and talk it to the Lord, it gives us this peace. It prepares our minds. It prepares our response to what's coming. And by, I'll tell you, you look at the disciples, Jesus is praying with them constantly because what is coming is going to really wreck them if they're not ready. Um, he goes off and prays by himself so much. And uh, as he gets closer to Jerusalem, Jesus, his, his prayers intensify. And um, and why? Because he knows prayer has a lot to do with preparation. He knows it helps people get ready. He prays over Jerusalem. He prays, he starts praying, and he also prays for his disciples. He prays for himself. Let's look at some of these verses. Here's in Luke 22. We're going to look at just Luke 22 for a few passages here. In the middle of this, Simon, Simon, Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon that your faith might not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I couldn't help but notice the Lord prays for Simon. How about that? Isn't that, wow. The Lord's praying for for his, one of his disciples. Imagine Peter hearing that. What if you heard that? Jesus Christ, Son of God says, I am praying for you. He wouldn't even bother Suzanne. You know, she's in charge of our prayer ministry. You wouldn't say, hey, Suzanne, would you pray for this? I got Jesus on it. You know, there's Jesus and there's Suzanne right there, okay? You know, I got, I, I went over your head. I got Jesus praying for me. This is awesome. And he's, and why is he doing that? And he says, so you won't, your faith won't fail. Why? Because something's coming. Something's coming. I know we, we go, yeah, we already know the story. We already know what happens. He's, he's betrayed and Peter loses his cool and he, Guy loses his ear and everybody runs and scatters and they're hiding. I got news for you. There's things that are going to happen to you this week that you need to get ready for. You're probably already experiencing some of them. And it's just interesting. I just wonder if Jesus is praying for you, for me. 
He says that your faith won't fail. And then when you've turned back, I'm praying that when you come back, when you come to your senses, you can strengthen the other guys. Look at this in Luke 22. Jesus left the city and went to the Mount of Olives. By the way, he goes to the Mount of Olives a lot. And what does he do there? Well, he prays there. Look what it says. His followers went with him. Jesus went there often. He said to his followers, pray for strength against temptation. What would be the temptation at Gethsemane? What's the temptation that they're facing? Quitting? Running? Doubting? Losing hope? Giving up? He says, he says to them, pray that you won't, that you can stand, stand, have the strength against it when you're tempted. We're going to be tempted this week to get our minds on other things and other concerns, other worries. They're going to try to rob you and I of our joy by Sunday. He says, pray for strength. Prepare with prayer. Then look at this in the next few verses. This is the next verses. He, he withdrew about a stone's throw away beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, the disciples are a stone throw away. They can hear this prayer. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he went back to his disciples. He found them asleep. And look at that. Exhausted from sorrow. Huh. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This is the third occasion that Jesus takes these three guys, Peter, James, and John, with him. The first time, it's with Jairus' daughter. She's dead and resurrected. The second one's it's a, trans, it's, it's a transfiguration, and it's talking about death at the transfiguration. In fact, there's people coming back from the dead at the transfiguration. And Jesus reminds them of his death at the transfiguration. And then here at Gethsemane, he is again praying with them, again, and the idea of death, impending death that's coming and I just thought it's interesting because the disciples, they're exhausted from sorrow. What's that mean? They're drained. They're, they're emotionally drained from what's been going on. Well, what is, what's caught, got them so sorrowful? Are they hearing the prayers of Jesus and they're caught up and they can tell he's bothered. They can tell he's worked up. They can hear his moaning and groaning. They can, they can, they can go, oh, this is, that's kind of like a, well, you're at a dentist office. You hear the drilling and, and you're going, ah. Are, they, are, are, are things happening? Are, can they sense something is about to go down? And it's about to at Gethsemane. Judas is coming and he's got his lips puckered. He's ready to kiss Jesus on the cheek and betray him. It's getting to get crazy any minute. And it's almost like you can sense like the storm uh, that came this weekend. You know it's coming. The birds have quit singing. And it's so they're, but they're worked up and they're exhausted, emotionally drained. Now, they've been emotionally or exhausted before, but this is different. They've, they've, been, they've traveled with Jesus, went days without eating or sleeping on, sleeping on the ground. They understand all day how tiring it is, 
But this is different. It's interesting. It's James, Peter, James, and John that are with him. James is the first to die for the Lord. John is the last to die for the Lord. And we all know what happened to Peter. Why is he taking them with him? Well, he's close to him. He's preparing them. And he's asking, you need to pray because what a, what's about to take place is going to rock your world. It's going to change everything. And I want it to change you. So pray that you don't fall into this temptation. What kind of temptation? The temptation to get caught up in whatever it is. The temptation to quit, to stop, to run, to hide. See my prayers and your prayers. Listen, church, they prepare our mind. They prepare our thoughts. They prepare our outlook. They prepare our response to everything that's going to happen to us. And this week, I want you to know Jesus wants to meet you at Gethsemane. I'm hurting. He wants to come to Gethsemane where we can pray together and get ready. I asked myself, what will I pray with Jesus about this week? What will I pray this week? Well, of course I'll say thank you, Lord, for the blessings all the blessings that have come from the resurrection, from your death and your resurrection. Of course, I'll, I'll, I'll be praising God this week. I'd, I'd want to do that. I'd want to thank Him for His great love and His sacrifice. Of course, you will pray for that. But I also want to pray about the things that are draining me, that are exhausting me, that tempt me. If you look at some of the uh, stories in the Bible, a lot of the sins that people fell into were on the heels of being tired. And church, I want to tell you, last several weeks, I know some of you may have felt the same way. I want to quit. I see things, I hear things, and it disturbs me, and I just want to quit. What am I doing this for? And I know that Jesus is waiting for me at Gethsemane. And if, you, if you're discouraged this morning, I want you to know, I'll be at Gethsemane and I hope you will too. Because that's where you're going to find the strength. When you, when you pray through that pain that you're going through, whatever it is, It'll prepare you to keep going, to resist quitting. I think, I'm thinking this week I'm going to be renewing my commitment to God. I'm going to be saying, Lord, like Jesus, I heard, I, I get my idea of how to pray from Jesus like the Lord's Prayer, which was on the way back to Jerusalem. Did you know that? The disciples said, teach us to pray. It's on their way back to Jerusalem. Because they'd heard Jesus pray a certain way. And they're hearing him pray the same way when he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray not my will, but yours be done, Lord. And that's what I'm going to be doing this week. I'm going to be praying, God, I want to do your will. I want I want to help me resist. I call on your power and help to help me resist 
to do my will over yours. I hope you'll do that this week. Let me encourage you to pray like that this week. Especially as you read through Luke 22. As you're getting more familiar with the Easter story. Here's the third way I can prepare for next week. And that's share the good news of Easter. Easter was a mission. It was a mission that had to be accomplished. It was, it was, a, it was the plan of God. And it still is the plan of God. See, as Jesus makes his way toward Jerusalem, he, ta- he takes his disciples on a farewell tour. They go through all these towns and villages. They meet all kinds of people. For example, they go through Samaria. And, and Jews, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Usually a Jew would go around Samaria to get to Jerusalem, not Jesus. He goes right through it. Because he wants to be there. He has to get, he has to fulfill the will of God. And he's not going to let anyone intimidate him out of it. And so as he goes through, he meets all these Samaritans. He, he meets with it ridicule and rejection. He also meets people like Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He meets Pharisees, experts in the law. He meets people that he says, come follow me and they make excuses. There's lots of people on this road. There's lepers on this road. But notice this passage here. Once he's in Jerusalem, look what the Bible says in Luke 20 here. After he cleared out the temple, he says, Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news. This is, this is before the cross. It's the week of. It's the week of Easter and he is sharing good news because Easter is good news. It's great news. It's about the kingdom coming. It's about sin being paid for. It's about God providing power to anyone, anyone who comes to him. And it's interesting that he, that it's, and it's this news that's worth sharing that even Jesus Christ, while on the cross in pain, would not let that stop him from sharing the good news. You know the story, the two thieves. They're hurling insults at him until one comes to his sense and says, wait a minute, what, this guy is innocent. We're getting what we deserve. And he starts talking to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I mean, if anybody has a right to be a little bit self-absorbed right now, it'd be Jesus Christ on the cross. Sorry, buddy, I haven't got time to talk to you. I'm too busy dying. I'm in a lot of pain. This is very inconvenient. This is This is hard to do. And it's hard. I, I haven't got time to focus on saving you, but not Jesus Christ, not our hero. Man, he looks at that guy. Look what he says to this guy. I, Truly, I tell you today, you will meet, you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine hearing that? Hearing that from Jesus Christ? No pain is going to keep him. No inconvenience is going to prevent him. Not, nothing, nothing's going to get in the way of sharing the good news the week of Easter. Is there a lesson here for us? All the things that we're going to be doing this week, will we have any time to share good news about Jesus? Will we? Will we share the good news about Jesus? See, Easter opens a door of opportunity to invite people. I think we've got invitations 
out on the table and at the Welcome Center. And we got these printed up especially for next week. And the reason we, we're doing this is we wanted you to be able to hand something to someone. We're going to be having, it says here on here, we're going to be having pastries and coffee at 9 o'clock. And then our Easter service um, at 10. And then there's a kid's Easter, Easter egg hunt afterwards. And I was, I'm just hoping you, you will consider who, who needs to hear some good news. What family member needs, to, uh, needs an invitation? Needs this invitation put in their hand? Or a stranger? You're just meeting somebody as you're filling up gas. I'll tell you, there's something about when you're inviting, when you're inviting somebody, it's, it's a, it's a rush. It's kind of cool. It's scary. Yet it's so, it's, it really just takes your faith up a notch. It strengthens it. Especially when someone accepts that invitation or opens a Bible with you. You see the message, the gospel have an impact on people. The power of that gospel. And folks, there's plenty of people right now out there that are desperately would love to hear someone turn to them and give them some good news about Easter. Let me encourage you to do that. Getting ready to close here. Here's the last words of Jesus before he's taken up into heaven. I want to read to you. It's interesting, even after Easter, Jesus had to remind the disciples of what it was about. He says to them, this is about, he's about ready to go up into heaven. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is, what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in, the, in his name to all nations beginning here in Jerusalem. And then he says, you are witnesses of these things. And Jesus is still, he's still preaching to the nations. He wants no one to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, everyone saved. And he needs witnesses. People who are familiar with the story, that understand it, People who have prepared themselves with prayer. And people who will, when they see a door open, or they see someone, they don't see a thief or a tax collector or whatever. They see someone that needs the good news. I've asked Susan Chapel to come up and share a little bit about, about this, just how easy it is, and we should just relax when we share the good it's news. So easy. It is easy. Go for it, Susan. Yeah, Tim asked me to share just for a couple minutes uh, about sharing the good news. And you guys, I guess you can hear me okay. You guys know that uh, our little group, Compassion and Action, that's the main reason why we do what we do. It's so we can try to share the good news with people. You know, the Bridge Cafe, it's all about bringing them in and having a good time, but sharing the good news with them. And one of the things we have learned is we're going out trying to pray with people and talk to people. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that do want to talk. I mean, you guys have been out with us when we stand out there. People are honking and waving and giving us the thumbs up. Uh, they're kind of excited about seeing somebody out there trying to help people and share the good news with them. 
And it's strangely, though, this is actually not something that's easy for me. It's been a struggle all my life, as my husband can attest. I do not like to talk to strangers. I do avoid it at all costs. Even if somebody knocks on my front door, I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> but but when we go out, uh, the, what helps me with this is because I really think this is what God wants me to do. And I've already shared this before, but First Corinthians 5, where he says, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And I know that's what God wants me to do. And I know that he gave it to all of you guys, too. And he says that we're ambassadors of God. And so one of the things that does help, helps me a lot when I go out is just having a different mindset that I'm an, an image bearer and that I represent God. And so when you're out in the public and you see people, uh, yeah, I'm, it changes my whole mindset to think I represent God. And I find myself being more friendly and helpful to people. But um, the other thing is that God does set up divine encounters with people. You know, like Tim said, there are lots and lots of people out there looking for something and they need something. And what they need is God. And uh, it really is good news. You have to remember that we're not bothering people. We have something that they need and God wants us to help them get be reconciled to him. So uh, like Tim said, there's invitations they've got made up. Uh, I just want to encourage all of you guys and myself. I've already sat down and made a list of people in my phone that I want to talk to to try and reach out to to talk to but when you guys are out this week just i would like to encourage you to stand up a little straighter and remember you're an ambassador you're you're royalty and that the people you see out they may be the very people who are praying for help and that god may have set this encounter up so when you see people look at them a little differently like are you the one are you the one that god wants me to talk to and that's just something that helps me. So I hope you all have a good week. And he said this too, I'm pretty sure, but it is so exciting. It really is exciting. And obviously we do it to try and help them, but it, it has helped me so much. And it is a lot of fun. So hope you all have a good week with that. And I'm looking forward to see what's going to happen. Thank you, Susan. All right. As we close today, I just, again, I hope you'll, I want to encourage you as well to pick up some of these invitations. Would you think right now, just for a minute, let's pretend it's just you and I are in the room. Forget about everybody else. If you can do that. Who is somebody? Who's a face? Who's a name? Of a person that you... You go, you know, God has put on your heart that you're, you need to talk to. That you should talk to. You should, you, that you want to talk to. But He's put it on your heart to go, you know, there's a person. There's a name. There's a face. Maybe there's more than one. You know, who, who is it that could use an invitation to church on Easter Sunday? What can you do to prepare yourself for that discussion? What will you do? And how will you, how will you carry yourself next week when Susan brings her friends? You bring your friends. What do you want us to do? The rest of us. I know you don't want us to embarrass you. But, you know, um, 
How about we pray about that? All this week, looking for that, that stranger. Maybe it's a, it's a faceless person, but it's, they're, but God's put, oh, that's, who's that? I can't quite make them out. Oh, where am I going to meet this person? And let God use you this week. There's a card in your bulletin. And if you'd like uh, Suzanne and the prayer team to pray for you, they'd be more than happy to. Uh, if maybe there's a decision you want to make today, like I, I want to be better prepared for Easter. I want to understand it more, but much richer. Maybe, maybe you want to open the Bible up with someone. Why not check that box as I want to open the Bible up with someone and learn a little bit more about how to be a member here or, or a little bit more about, about Christ or I've got a question I just love to have answered. Have the courage, have the faith to do that this morning. Let's pray together and we'll be, we'll be through. Father, we thank you for Easter. We thank you, Father, for your great sacrifice by sending you the only Son, your one and only Son. And Father, as we think about, we, we think about all this, Every Sunday we think about it. Every Sunday's Easter to us here at Greater Alton. But as we, as the world pauses, we pray, Father, you'll give us a keen a keen awareness of the opportunities before us. I know some of us here, Father, we have so much stuff on our brain, on our mind. Our concerns are crowding out your concerns. So we we pray for clarity. We pray for to be better focused this week. Father, would you prepare each of us? Get us ready for what we're going, or we are facing and what we will be facing. Some of us here are going to be facing some, some challenging moments, some, some tough times, some painful times. And Father, we pray that, that you'll prepare us for that. Let us know your story inside and out. Let the words in the book of Luke, those key words that you want each of us to see, just leap off the page and touch our heart. And Father, as we gather next Sunday, may you be pleased with what we have planned to say and do as followers of you. We forget, we ask you to remind us, use your spirit to remind us. That's what we ask for, Father. That's what we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. I'm so secure. You're here with me. You stay the same. Your love.
You're holding me now 